0: and Peter Schweizer, who deserves a Medal of Freedom, in my view. This
1: is The Drill Down with Peter Schweitzer.
0: Hi, this is Peter Schweitzer, and welcome to The Drill Down, where we relentlessly expose cronyism, corruption, and the abuse of power in Washington, D.C., joined as always by Eric Eggers. Now, Eric, I know you have a family. Do you have a Friday night routine?
1: Uh, yeah, typically we will sit down and watch a movie and eat pizza. But I think uh, this Friday, everyone's Friday night routine seemed to have been disrupted because of the news that emerged on social media.
0: That's right. We got a huge dump of data uh, from Twitter about the cover up of the Hunter Biden story. Uh, and uh, it's interesting because it's starting to reverberate throughout the country. And we are going to talk about this today, the notion that there are people in positions of power in the media and in the government who do not believe you are capable of making decisions for yourself, whether it's what information to believe or what medical decisions should be made about your life.
1: No, I think it's true. And I think it sort of raises a really fun uh, age old question based on the, the revelations of Friday night and actually, I think connected to what we talked about on recent podcasts. Uh, you know, Hunter Biden and COVID, what do they have in common? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, this is a family podcast, so I don't know if we can go there. I can make all kinds of references to uh, viruses and uh um Illnesses, uh, but we won't.
1: Well, ironically, for things that are so uh, contagious, <laughs> I'd like to just say that, <laughs>
0: right? Exactly. They, they both
1: have been dramatically well contained by social media. How about that? Is that, does that,
0: that work? that's that's exactly right. Um, both of them have seen the stories and the narratives censored and controlled by a partnership between big tech and the federal government. And that's really the theme of what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about the collusion between big tech and the government. But we also want to hit on this theme. What is actually behind it? What is actually behind this notion? And we want to discuss some of the really interesting revelations in the trial uh, involving Anthony Fauci. Uh, (laughs) Anthony Fauci has been sued. Uh, among other people, uh, by several state attorneys general. Uh, so we're going to talk about Hunter Biden, and we're going to talk about Anthony Fauci in the same podcast. Those two go together, right?
1: I like it. The trial of Anthony Fauci. It's like that play Inherit the Wind <laughs> with, that you had to, <laughs> to read right. back in the day. It, right. it is interesting, though. I think and To me, the biggest takeaway, and you know, I hate to give you more credit than you deserve, but Thank uh, you. but here it goes. But I do think if there's one big picture takeaway from the fact that the Hunter Biden story, COVID, Anthony Fauci, all these things can be actively suppressed and shaped. And therefore, you know, American lives can be altered uh, because of the the behavior of and decisions by unelected people with social media companies is it does speak to your point about big business and big government being best friends. Right. Because this is a classic example of the businesses that are massive of big tech working in conjunction with big government, Right. Whether it's in this case, you know, for the Biden regime, which is ironic because it happened under the Trump presidency, but still, right. I mean, this is government and social media working together to keep information from the American public.
0: Yeah. I mean, you think about the stereotype of what people think, particularly on the left, people like Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders, and they're going to tell you big companies, they hate the government because the government is here to fight for the little guy and do the right thing. Uh, and that the government um, is held into it needs to hold into account big business. Mm -hmm. Well, what we're going to see with the Hunter Biden uh, narrative and Twitter suppression of the story is, in fact, that government officials, members of the DNC, members of the White House made requests to this big tech media company, and they said, yeah, sure, no problem. We'll take care of that for you. So it's collusion. It's not conflict between big government and big business.
1: Collaboration and collusion. If you like, <laughs>
0: there's a lot of C words here. Hey, now family <laughs> program. Well, let's first talk about Hunter Biden. Uh, recall that on October 14th, 2020, the New York Post published their expose of the contents of the Hunter Biden laptop. We've, of course, been a Hunter Biden story for years before that. We first broke the China deals and the other stuff in uh, 2018, but the laptop was a huge story. Uh, because the new york post got access to the laptop they actually did forensic research uh to confirm the accuracy of it uh and they went ahead and published that story and they wanted to let people hear about that story on social media now this is really important you've made this point before it used to be back in the old days when i was in my 20s like 30 (laughs) years ago that people you went out to look for the news yep right What the expectation is now is that the news is going to find you. That's true. I mean, you made that point in in the film that we did on Big Tech. And why is that important? When an entity like Twitter suppresses a story... It has real consequences because there is a huge number of people out in the country who are sitting around waiting. And if they see it on their Facebook or their Twitter feed, then they're going to read it. But they're not going to go to the New York Post website or they're not going to go to other websites looking for stories. They're expecting it to come to them. So these social media organizations have real power.
1: No, it's true. And and I think it's And by the way, I was just relating to something that actually Mark Cuban said some time ago about, uh, about the inversion of the power dynamic, but it's true. And so if you think about that, what, it, I mean, it's got lots of negative ramifications for us as a society, right? Cause we just expect to then be spoon fed the things yeah. that matter to us. And then, so if the cafeteria, if you like change the menu, <laughs> then <laughs> right. obviously our diet and our overall health is going to be negatively impacted. right? And that's, that's exactly what's happened. And so by Twitter taking the steps to suppress the story and like, and what did they do specifically? Yeah. So they removed links. Uh, they posted warnings that the story might be unsafe. I like that, right? By the way, information is violence.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this this fact is unsafe.
1: Yeah. They even blocked, and this is all things we learned as of Friday night, they blocked the transmission via direct message, which had been something that they only reserved for cases like child pornography. Right. So the Hunter Biden, I mean, literally Twitter gets activated and things get into the Hunter Biden, you know, becomes child pornography level right. story right so that's unprecedented right yeah i
0: see the parallels there you know child porn and hunter biden taking money from chinese entities we, on his laptop
1: uh, it, i mean
0: what what what? how are they even remotely no that's c- connected i mean it is interesting to note by the way all these steps were taken by senior management uh at twitter it's interesting the evidence seems to indicate that the ceo jack dorsey remember the the, the dude with the long beard mm-hmm I mean, it's weird. The
1: FTX guy thinks he looks like a Mad Men character, you know? (laughs) (laughs) He's like Charlie Wall Street.
0: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. He's got that weird long Fu Manchu type uh, uh, beard. But Jack Dorsey apparently was on on these changes and and it was done without his knowledge, which is interesting. So you've got this explosive decision that has a very real effect on a national election Mm -hmm. and it's being done without the CEO's knowledge. That to me is pretty shocking.
1: Yeah, the Biden team we now know from an October 24th email sent. Twitter moderators, some information said, hey, we need to take a look at these. Now we can't we don't know for sure what those are, but I think it's fair to speculate that they were related to the Hunter Biden case. We yeah. know that at the time you talk about like the collusion between big business and big government and like how one-sided it was. The White House spokesperson at the time, Kaylee McEnany, he was actually locked out of her account and tweeting about the story.
0: Unbelievable. Right. So, this is a government official mm-hmm. in the White House. Uh, you may like or not like the president, but they are the president and they have a right to communicate to people in Twitter's key. She is literally locked out of her account. Uh, supposedly, because she's tweeting about this,
1: yeah, correct? And this is not the first example of collusion or collaboration uh, between the team Biden and Twitter. Remember Tara Reid, the woman who alleged yeah. the allegation of assault against Joe Biden yes. during the campaign. And that is, you know, say what you like, but it, we went from believe women to
0: <laughs> only believe certain women who to, are accusing certain people. To then the Justice
1: Department probing her Twitter account after she filed the report. Unbelievable, right? And so obviously, that's something that. Twitter chose to provide access to to the Justice Department. So right. on what
0: on what grounds, right? What, and what, this, I mean, what crime are well, they saying she she committed? Well, and that's that,
1: exactly the story, right? Because as your to your point, Jack Dorsey didn't know about this because of the internal communications that were released. Friday night because of Elon Musk and Matt Taibbi releasing this information. Right. You know the quote from one former employee is quote they just freelanced it, you know? <laughs> like hacking was the excuse, but within a few hours pretty much everyone realized that wasn't going to hold, but no one had the guts to reverse it. Internal email exchanges One communications official saying, hey, I'm I'm struggling to understand the policy basis for marking this content as unsafe. So Twitter officials knew this wasn't real policy. Right. But at that point, it sort of becomes too late and you can't reverse it.
0: And this goes to the heart of what we were saying earlier and what we've maintained from the beginning. The Hunter Biden story is a massively important story. And it's a story that would really affect the way that the American people would see Joe Biden. There have been some public opinion poise. That's why they went to these extraordinary steps. They didn't go to these steps because this is some you know, low rent story that nobody cares about. They knew how volcanic the Hunter Biden story was. That's why they went to these lengths. And. The simple fact of the matter is: is how is this not politics? How is this not raw politics in its purest form?
1: You know, it's crazy. I told you about this example when uh, we were running the other day. But you know, Michael Lewis, the guy that wrote the Moneyball book, yeah. he did a podcast with the Freakonomics people, and he talked about like the role luck plays in mm-hmm. just having success. He said, you know, yeah. he followed the athletic Oakland Athletics guy around, ended up being a great story, and it turns out and this has now come out, that he has spent the last year following the FTX guy around, right? And so his next book is going to be massively successful. He's like, see, I told you luck. And I'm I'm only reminded of that to say, like, we did a film that you can watch on Amazon, by the way. It's called The Creepy Line. And it's it's literally about the role social media companies can play in altering and shaping elections. And it came out in 2018. And I'd like to say that we're geniuses. I mean, you're pretty smart. But- (laughs) That's also kind of lucky, right?
0: We, we, no, but we, I mean, we were ahead of the curve and yeah. this is what happens is as institutions like social media get more powerful, it's only inevitable uh, that it's going to become a bigger problem. Now, I would say that that Twitter had an excuse or they claimed an excuse for doing this, right? And this also came up with Mark Zuckerberg. They claimed-
1: An, ex- an excuse for shaping the face of the election and yeah. essentially helping to, I mean, because it, and you've made this point. If the amount of money, if you assigned a monetary value to oh. the assistance they gave the Biden campaign, right. it would be an FCC or a campaign violation, FEC violation, uh, the likes of which we've never seen.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And so the, the the excuse they use is basically that the FBI warned Twitter during their weekly meetings before the 2020 election to expect hack and leak operations by state actors involving Hunter Biden. Um, this is according to a declaration by the head of site integrity, Joel Roth. Now, it's interesting. Zuckerberg made the same claim, right? He said the FBI told us, but the FBI came back and said, no, we never specifically said Hunter Biden. This was a general statement to be concerned about general uh, information. So to me this excuse that the FBI told us to do it is is ridiculous. We know obviously that there were FBI actors that were suppressing the Hunter Biden story, but to me the blame clearly lies here with the social media companies. They can't just pawn this off and say the FBI made us do it.
1: So I'll say I think the blame lies with the social media companies, but I think it also lies with the government that has such a cozy relationship yeah. with the social media companies. The social media companies are very smart about cultivating relationships with the Biden administration and the Obama administration before that. And it's it's a tactical, intentional choice they've made because they know Republicans generally are anti-regulation, pro-free market. They want to kind of let people do what they want. But I think, and this is a point that we make in the film, like this technology is so new still, if like historically speaking, and the impacts that it has on all aspects of life are still being investigated and discovered. It took us 50 plus years, my favorite example, to figure out that we should have seat belts in cars. Right. Right. It took us a long time before we invented the EPA to right. figure out, hey, we shouldn't be pouring chemicals in rivers. Right? right. Right. It took us a long time. We're still figuring out how to better protect our physical environment, and our digital environment is in some ways a wild, wild west. And this is another example of what happens when you just right. let these people do what they want.
0: No, that that's that's exactly right. And the other question you have to ask yourself uh, before we get to Anthony Fauci, which I'm dying to do. Speaking is, of
1: physical environment and digital environment coming together,
0: <laughs> exactly. But in this Hunter Biden case and Twitter, how is this not a campaign contribution? Right to the Biden campaign. It's a great point. I mean, imagine imagine Exxon saying we're going to give free gas to the Trump campaign, or a phone company saying we're going to give free cell phones to one campaign and not to the other, people would say, wait a minute, that's a massive benefit. This benefit that they gave to the Biden campaign in 2020 is worth 300 times free gas to the Trump campaign would have been if Exxon did it. And yet, nobody's talking about looking into the fact that this could very clearly be a campaign benefit given to the Biden campaign in 2020 it made a huge difference in that race.
1: I'll do you one better. Imagine if the federal government said, hey, we're going to go out of our way in the name of election oversight to actually kind of sign up and help facilitate election mobilization for voters for Democrats only. Oh, wait, that did happen actually. Yeah. So never mind.
0: Never <laughs> what mind. was that guy's name again? It starts with a Z, <laughs> yeah, right? Well, Didn't he pour a lot of money he, into that? He paid for it, but they did it.
1: You know? they so, did. no, but that's exactly so. Another example of, yes, yeah, so between Mark Zuckerberg's contributions that were essentially funneled through uh, election offices and then what twitter did and that's two no kidding like dead to rights campaign assistance right that they didn't assign a monetary value for that i think you absolutely could say shaped the election in a positive way for the biden team yet we're told it was the most uh safe and you know least questioned election in american history right And if you tweet about it, we're going to censor it.
0: (laughs) Right, exactly. So we've been talking about Hunter Biden uh, and Twitter. Now we're going to switch to Anthony Fauci. By the way, I'm imagining, can you imagine a dinner with Hunter Biden and Anthony Fauci? I want the over under from you. How long would it take in that conversation for the subject of sexually transmitted diseases to come up?
1: So that is not the question I thought you were going <laughs> to ask. The, the question I thought you were going to ask is, how many masks would Anthony Fauci have to wear to be at a dinner table with Hunter Biden?
0: That's another fair question. Please don't breathe on me. Look like you on a commercial flight. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, so Anthony Fauci was in the news for something quite similar. In a way. Right. So Anthony Fauci, uh, of course, ahead of the covid response in the Trump administration and given not only that role, but the formal role of of uh, White House advisor in the Biden campaign. And he's the subject of a lawsuit. Uh, Attorneys General Eric Schmidt of Missouri and Jeff Landry of Louisiana have sued several White House officials and federal officials over alleged collusion with private entities, i.e. social media companies. And on November 23rd, Dr. Fauci was questioned for seven hours by the attorneys general of Missouri and Louisiana. And they had some interesting results uh, of that seven-hour deposition uh, that came out. Uh, At one point, uh, he could not, Fauci could not remember, quote, some of the most important decisions and discussions when he was chief medical advisor to President Trump and President Biden during the COVID-19 pandemic.
1: I mean, he is like 81, right? Like, he's old. (laughs) But he's running the thing. And isn't there an impact of COVID on memory? And he's had it like four (laughs) times. Like, what are you expecting? seven hours. He's, he's a grandfather. Let him take a nap.
0: <laughs> well, it is interesting. I will say somebody foia and got access to Fauci's uh, actual official schedule uh, during COVID. <laughs> I, I have to tell you... <laughs> You and I have bigger, busier schedules than Anthony Fauci did. I kid you not. There were two or three hour gaps where there's nothing on the schedule, nothing on the schedule
1: monitoring data.
0: Yeah. Well, it's like there's a there's a morning kind of meeting, a a debrief meeting, which, you know, maybe he sleeps through that. Uh, Then there's a 1230 meeting and then there's media responses at four, you know, four to six Mm o'clock. That's it on his calendar. But in all seriousness, probably respiratory capacity examination, (laughs) a.k.a. breathing.
1: (laughs) Right.
0: So. So so here's what they found specifically when they were questioning Fauci. They asked him about the lab leak hypothesis, right? This debate or this question that a lot of Americans have had since the beginning, what is the actual origin of this virus that completely turned our lives upside down? Mm-hmm. What's the origin of it? And what's interesting is um, it's pretty clear that he knew that that story had merit uh, and he actively tried to suppress it because he didn't want that story coming out. And he actually went to social media companies to essentially discuss discuss with them the fact that he didn't want this emphasized.
1: No, I think that's very troubling. I think the fact that there's now evidence based on the depositions, because we don't have everything, but, but some things have come out, like COVID, we had a little leak situation, and yep. so. Uh, The fact that he's reversed himself numerous times on masks and had previously emailed people back in February that masks were ineffective. Yeah, this
0: this this was pretty shocking, right? I mean, in February 20, he emailed a friend advising her that masks were ineffective against COVID. And he confirmed that again on March 31st. By April 3rd, that's three days later, he's adamant that masks should be worn, even though he couldn't cite a single study to prove it.
1: What do you think that's about? I think we'd previously looked at some of the communications and some visits he'd received, right? So we look, somebody like put their thumb on the scale on that one, right?
0: You think so. I mean, and and also you think you're making this monumental decision about wearing masks, but you can't cite a single study. Mm -hmm. You almost wonder, you know, it's this sort of classic government thing that when there's a problem, at least give the illusion you're doing something, even if it's not effective, pretend that you're doing something. So you can calm people.
1: And I think it's, you know, it's, hey, it's a mask. Some people are like how big of a deal is it? But you have to remember like how touch pointy masks became in terms of just whether or not we should make them wear them, whether we have kids that have to wear them, so you have parents send the kids to
0: schools. The shaming, the division in neighborhoods that went if you weren't wearing a mask. I
1: gained 15 pounds because of all the sporting events I went to, and they said, you don't have to have a mask on unless you're eating or dr- if you're eating and drinking. So I eat and drink all the time.
0: It's dramatic. <laughs> Your burdens are immense. Your burdens are immense. No, but it, it deeply divided the country, and what they're essentially saying now is that, yeah, no, he did the you know, Dr. Fauci, that was always emphasized, Dr. Fauci, he's been doing this for 30 years.
1: A.K.A. science embodied,
0: right? That's right. The embodiment of science is basically saying, no, I, I really don't have any study to cite it. The other issue that came up um, was uh, related to... Where we got lockdowns in this country. Now, this is something we've been poking around and looking at. This is pretty shocking. Attorney General Schmidt of Missouri, he's going to be a senator Mm -hmm. starting in January, um, says that Dr. Fauci dispatched his deputy, Dr. Clifford Lane, to China shortly shortly after the outbreak to analyze China's containment of COVID-19 through lockdowns. On his return, Dr. Lane convinced Fauci that the United States should emulate China's extreme measure. Uh, Attorney General Schmidt asserts he took the advice of one guy based on lies from a dictator. Um, But it is kind of weird. They did that in 2020. We're here in 2022. China has these extreme lockdowns, and yet COVID seems to be everywhere. There's no evidence that lockdowns worked.
1: Yeah. China's seen a resurgence. As we noted in the last podcast, they just had more cases in 30,000 cases in one day than they've ever had before. And that's despite their uh, totalitarian level efforts of lockdowns. They don't work. It's interesting that the Fauci deputy wanted to emulate it, but it's also interesting because you wrote about this in your last book, which by the way, was a runaway number one, becomes <laughs> bestseller for Thank you. multiple weeks, <laughs> but there's this weird level and I could see it being I could see it being true for health officials also, but you talk about the number of Silicon Valley and big tech executives who have this weird admiration for for Mao and communist China style governance. But if you're a a public health official, like I'm sure that's like utopian for you. If we could just make everybody do the thing we want them to do, like that's how you preserve quote unquote health, right? Right,
0: right. If you you can get the government to be an overbearing doctor, you know, the doctor who's telling you, hey, you got to lose weight. If that doctor can actually compel you to do things that's attractive to certain personalities, and that's really what you're talking about here. This this idea that dictatorial governments are more efficient—that's what Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister mm-hmm. of Canada, actually said. He admired the efficiency of the Chinese government. Um, he
1: also I, admires the business opportunities. Right? Done, <laughs> he's done business in China.
0: His family's done quite well in China. Yeah, uh, but yeah, to your point, you're quite right, and and this is the problem when you have experts and specialists that don't. Uh, counteract or counterbalance their knowledge with, oh, that thing called the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Now, there was a book written years ago. You know me. I'm a book guy. I love books. And I'm a big fan of Dr. Thomas Sowell uh, at the Hoover Institution. Uh, I read one of his books in the 1970s when I was in high school. What a flex. Yeah, what a flex. Um, and, and I was one of those nerdy high school guys who's reading books by an economist from Stanford. Uh, but he wrote a book called The Vision of the Anointed, um, and we're just going to play an audio clip of of part of his interview uh, because I think he nails it in terms of what's behind all of this. This is more than just uh, you know power and and trying to cover up a story with Hunter Biden. This is a deep seated mindset that is deeply troubling. Here's the clip.
1: I mean, you posit here that they're a group of self anointed elitists mm. who are responsible for what in America. Well, for much,
0: much of the social policy of the past 30 years and for the disastrous consequences that have followed from those policies.
1: And who are these people? Well, there'll be people in the media
0: and the academic world and in politics, uh, particularly those who believe that uh, third parties can make better decisions than people can make for themselves. And particularly when they are those third parties. No, but so the bottom line is what he's saying is that there is an extreme arrogance behind all of this what you're seeing in the hunter biden twitter case is an arrogance that says american people should not and cannot be allowed to sift through information themselves and determine what is true and what is not true we're not going to trust the marketplace of ideas okay they can pick their own breakfast cereal but they can't pick what information they're exposed to because they're too dumb in the fauci case it's the same thing. The argument was, this is so important. This is a life and death issue that you should actually not be allowed to make the decision yourself. It should be made for you by somebody like Dr. Fauci. And of course, the opposite should be true. If it's a monumentally important decision that affects your life and death, you should be the person that's ultimately making that decision. But in their arrogance, these people don't see that.
1: And you could make the argument that it's true for the Hunter Biden story as well, right? American people should be able to make a decision. Is this information credible? Right and Should it Should it factor into what decision I make when it comes to elect the next president? Because of the FBI, because of Twitter, the American people by and large were prohibited from making that decision for themselves. And I, I don't think it's fair. Uh, I, I don't think it's wrong to say that, that that action combined with others maybe swung the presidential election. Yeah, And so, you know, that's part of American history now.
0: Yeah, and there's, and there's some evidence, right? There was some post-surveys uh, that were done mm-hmm. on the Hunter Biden story that indicates some 10% of Joe Biden voters would have not voted for him or would have voted for Trump. Uh, and that could have made the difference, especially in certain key states.
1: Like, that's literally, I think, the modern equivalent of the dead people voting for Kennedy in Illinois, right? right. I mean, that's right. just like part of American lore. Oh, they got that one. Those clever, right. clever guys. Yeah, exactly. Now, now, there is more to come from the uh, the Schmidt-Landy deposition trial fund, right? right? So, Jen Psaki. Oh, yes. Uh, the former spokesperson for the White House is up next. And um, you, you have an interesting take on this because I'm like, hey, what good is this going to do? Is this actually going to... Are we just trying to embarrass her or is this is this no different than what the Democrats did with the January 6th hearings? Is this just like a four TV thing to try to drum up support? Uh, politically and raise money but but i mean do you expect anything legitimate to come from
0: this well i mean it depends you're always um taking a risk when you have politicians uh or or political people you know engaging in these conversations but i think it's important to ask her very specific questions not as jen saki now i think of msnbc Hmm. uh but of jen Psaki, spokesman for the white house she was a government official representing the most powerful man in the world was she having conversations As the person responsible for spinning and messaging from the White House, they all have them, they all need them. Was she engaged in suppressing stories and were these big tech companies going along with it? If so, it's not as much a story about Jen Psaki. She's doing what you would expect her to do. It's another example of what big tech is doing uh, and how they are shaping the national conversation and hiding certain things from the American people. Look, my view is this is a hugely important subject. My only concern is when it relates to the Hunter Biden narrative Is that we don't get distracted. Yeah. You know, it's very hard to get politicians to walk and 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 chew gum at the same time to get them to focus on two things. I believe that we should be focusing on Hunter Biden and the Biden's family self-enrichment. If you start looking at Twitter and you start looking at Facebook, it's going to muddy things. It's going to confuse things. I'm not saying it's not important, but I think getting at the bottom of the enrichment of the Bidens is the single most important story as far as investigations are concerned. And that should be the basic focus.
1: Well, and that should be uh, very enlightening, presuming the information once it does come out can actually be disseminated across traditional news outlets and potentially social media channels. Fair point. And so maybe of nothing else, right, the fact that this happened uh, is the lesson to like, hey, this can happen. What regulations, I know that's like dirty word for conservatives, but what measures have to be in place to make sure this does happen? Governor DeSantis actually introduced some social media guidelines not too long ago because he was trying to make sure that Everyone had an equal voice, right? Regardless of the medium.
0: Right. And this goes back to what we talked about before. It's how these social media companies view themselves. They're not traditional media outlets. They're not Fox News. They're not MSNBC. You go to those places because there is programming and you want to watch the programming. What Twitter claims is that they are a neutral platform and that you are going to be able to pick and choose who you want to listen to, what stories you want to hear, and, of course, we now realize that's a fraud, uh, that they actually aren't doing that. And that, I think, is a, is a legitimate question about uh, how they're viewed. They are engaging in editing. They're not an open platform, and something needs to be done about that. They either need to declare themselves media companies, which means they're subject to, you know, certain antitrust rules, et cetera, or they're going to actually function as an open platform. Elon Musk seems to be heading in that direction with Twitter. We've been critical. I've been critical of Elon Musk. He's way too close to Beijing as far as I'm concerned, but maybe what he's doing at Twitter uh, will be a positive development with these other uh, outlets. Your final thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think watching Elon Musk, but I think, is it just is it all a head fake right is it is it now he's going the other way he's trying to cozy up to republicans they're like see look look i'm one of you guys right like we don't need to mess with this so i think you always should just take everything with at the end of the day their job is to make money now they do have an ideological bent by and large but i think they're ultimately they're responsible to their shareholders but i think if nothing else like we've now seen and we've you know we've seen before that's more, that's literally why we did this film four years ago the creepy line uh we have yet to fully come to terms with the role social media plays in our lives. And I think what we see now is like, not just what do you see? What don't you see? But what do you do? And the soft power that they have exercised and what needs to be done to
0: control that. That is remarkably well said.
1: Hey, you okay? You feeling okay?
0: (laughs) Well, we appreciate you joining us as always. You can find- Do I get a raise now? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you can find that film uh, on Amazon. It's on Amazon Prime. It's free. It's called The Creepy Line. You can also find my books and Eric's books on Amazon and wherever fine books are sold. And you can find this podcast and other news stories at drilldown.com Thanks so much for joining us. Until next time.